Welcome to episode 108. Thank you for joining us. This week, we are very excited to be welcoming Michael Armistead, not only to the show, but to the Marine Corps Association staff. Michael is our new Director of Communications and comes to us from Headquarters Marine Corps Communications Directorate as the branch head of Occupational Field Support. He retired as Lieutenant Colonel in September of this year. Michael was kind enough to take some time out of his busy schedule and sit down with us to talk a little bit about his background, his career in uniform, and his goals and vision for the Marine Corps Association's communications plan. It was a lot of fun getting to know Michael beyond the workplace. Here's our conversation with Michael Armistead. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Scuttlebutt. I'm Vic. I'm here with Nancy. Hi, everyone. And uh, we are doing uh, a very cool episode this week. We are welcoming our newest member to the Marine Corps Association team, Michael Armistead. Sir, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, um, thanks for coming in studio with us today. Thank you. Yeah, thank I mean, you. it was, you know, a big ask for you to leave the distance of your office to come all the way here. A couple of flights of stairs. A couple of flights of stairs. <laughs> it's a little bit of an ice box in here, so the joints are moving a little slow. Yeah, so. I forgot my cup of coffee, so yeah, keep me warm. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much, though, uh, as busy as you are. Um, as our new communications director. Um, so welcome aboard, and uh, this is an extremely important position, and so thank you. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for, for having me. Yeah, so um, you've been with us now for a few weeks, um, and I think that obviously as we are um, you know, doing our outreach, sort of projecting forward, um, you know, obviously here in Sound Studio doing podcast communications um, is uh, something that we're very focused on. It's extremely important for getting our message out. Um, so your job is uh, obviously vitally important to what we are doing here. But before we sort of talk about what you're doing in the chair, we talk a little bit about, I guess, what your journey was like coming here. So you retired recently, correct? I did. So as of 1 September, I you know, joined the ranks of retirees and veterans of, of, the, uh, of the service. Yeah, so, you yeah. turned in the CAC, got your green card. Actually, they've got a different color now. So oh, shit. I was, hoping to, be, I was hoping to get the new card. I'm like, well, what is this? And, and funny story, you know, they had screwed up my, my retirement piece. So I retired, and then they got the date wrong. So I actually had to go back, get unretired. <laughs> And then retired again because wow. of a mistake. At, so you're uh, a retrade. You got ID some card. broken time. I know, right? right? <laughs> Interesting. He's that valuable to the Marine Corps yeah. that he was needed back for just that yeah. five-minute period. <laughs> yeah. It's like this. We don't know what to do for the next, yeah, 15 minutes. Bring back Armstead. Yeah. Bring him back. He's back. We're okay now. Yeah. Um, and so did you have to put your chucks in on, like, stand six and center, check Thank in, Thank God check I out? did not have to do that. <laughs> okay. um, I was just more surprised that. And I shouldn't have been because we make mistakes, right? Yeah, yeah. That that one one last mistake before you're out the door. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it's 25 years. 25, yeah. 25 and and some change. Um, I had some reserve time in the army. Okay. So I kind of added to that, and we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. But um, what was your what was your last position? So I was the branch head for um, 
forced uh, forced development requirements over at Communication Directorate. Oh, okay. So they work through. I'm gonna throw an acronym at you: the .mlpf process. Oh yeah, we know um, that .mlpf. And I was the occupational field specialist for the Comstrat MOS. So anything man train equip um, for the uh, for the MOS is they fill under my under my branch. Wow. And then so what what is it that you are working with there? I mean, we talked a little bit before we started recording about, you know, making sure that communications plans are nested within campaign plans and things of that nature. At that level, like what are you what's going on? So at that level, um, we focused a lot on doctrine and policy. Okay. So establishing um, Marine Corps doctrine as it relates to Comstrat, um, providing input to other doctrine and policy to ensure that Comstrat was included with that, mm -hmm. and then um, updating, you know, the current policies with or old policies with current things that that we were doing in, in the public affairs field. Um, and so, as a branch head, then I mean, you're talking like this is Marine Corps wide. Now. This is Marine Corps wide. Yeah. Yes, for the for the MOS for the service. So. Um, so anything and everything that, that we touched um, from a .mopf perspective essentially came through my office. And, you know, if you've been in the Marine Corps a while, you know that you don't do .mopf coming up. So it was a huge learning experience um, getting in there. And I did that for about, I'd say, three years with a bit of time away from, from the Pentagon in between there. And... Uh, I can tell you that there's still things that we weren't able to get done in that three-year time when it came to, to that. Um, we also were involved in training and education. So mm -hmm. the Defense Information School, which is where um, our Marines go through for their MOS training, working with them to ensure that the curriculum was updated. Yep. Um, if there's anything that's new within the information environment, that that was included in their curriculum. Um, those those types of things. So, so anything man training equip related. Yeah. For them was came through our office. So then were you in the chair then when uh, MCDP eight came down the pike, the information? We we provided input to that. Okay. Well. Yes. How was what was that process like? So MCDP eight came through or was haunted by um, Deputy Commandant for Information. Um, surprisingly we don't fall under DC. Really? Okay. Yes. Um, which is a whole nother conversation in and of itself. Yeah. Um, so as it went through the different processes in terms of um, the um, 06 CHOP, 06 review, one-star review, three-star review, we each had an opportunity within our organization to chop on that information and provide information to keep it updated and, and current to what, <coughs> what um, not just our policy, but DOD policy um, focused on in terms of information. So we, we, did have a huge part in contributing information for that. Sure. Input for that. So then this stupid question time then. So if you guys don't fall under DC information, then who, as the branch head for Comstrat, who do you have oversight over? Who so we basically re we report to Deputy Commandant, or excuse me, um, the Director of Marine Corps Staff. Okay. So Demix. And there's, so, so but what about public affairs? Is that, where, where is that? So 2017, the MOS changed. So we took what was then public affairs and combat camera, combined them into one MOS, one occupational field, which was then Comstrat. Okay. So 
Comstrat um, under the old sort of uh, proponent advocacy construct, um, our proponent was the leader of CD. So it wasn't one star, now it's an SCS. Okay. Our advocate, when it comes to occupation field, was CD and I. But CD's boss, who they report to, was director of Mingor staff. Okay. Does that, does that make sense? It does. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a spider web, but yeah, I, I get that. And so, so you guys were the artist formerly known as public affairs. <laughs> public affairs and combat camera. And combat so camera. Yeah, yes. yeah. 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 Yes. Okay. No, that, that, that does make sense. Um, and well, I guess I got a bunch of questions about that, but I guess let's rewind a little bit. So you said you had uh, some army reserve time. So what was your path? Like, where are you from originally? So I was. This is a long story. Yeah, that's what we're here for. <laughs> we've got. We've got. Yeah, we plenty just of came time. out of a meeting. We yeah. got one okay. later on, so we got some time. So, um, born in Chicago. Okay. Um, there until roughly the fourth grade. Moved to Houston. Texas. My dad relocated to, to Texas and I stayed there through high school. Um, ended up going to Duke University for college. Oh, cool. And then had a bunch of what I call pie chart jobs prior to joining the Marine Corps. Um, going back to my time in Houston, um, my father was very interested in World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War. Um, wasn't in the service. But do you remember those Time Life books? Yes. yes. Come out, you yeah. know, so those were around the house. Um, he was actually interested in certain aspects of the Marine Corps. So, like, uh, with the old breed, E.B. Mm -hmm. Sledge, mm -hmm. that book was laying around the house. Um, there's a book by William Manchester um, called Goodbye Darkness. So I, these books were around, and I would read them. And so I had this huge fascination with with the military, with World War II, and just the experiences those men and women went through during that time period. And so um, at the age of 13, at the age of 13, I sent a letter. Um, actually, it wasn't a letter, but remember those little pull-out cards from magazines? Yes. Yeah. If you're interested in the Marine Corps, yeah, yeah, yes. you know, fill this out, mm -hmm. send it in. Yeah. I Take filled it ones. out. Yeah. You know, put my little age in there, you know, born 1969, you know, whatever, and send it in. And I actually got a letter back. Okay. Really? I got a letter back. That's and, great. And the letter said, you know, thank you for your interest in the Marine Corps. However, a little young. Since you're 13, <laughs> we encourage you to go to high school. <laughs> a lofty goal. Life, life hack. Life hack. Graduate. Yeah. And then come see us. And then I had a little, you know, sticker. And I'm like, oh, my God. They gave me a sticker. Dad, they gave me a sticker. Can I join the, high, can I join the Marine Corps after high school? He's like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to college. And so that kind of killed the idea. Yeah. Um, but, a, you know, a seed was planted, right? So go to, you know, finish high school and um, – Still had this interest in the military. So at the time, my plan was I'll go to Air Force ROTC, be a doctor. Sure. And, and practice, you know, medicine in the Air Force. So first year at Duke, um, it was an Air Force ROTC, and I absolutely hated it. Hor horrible. Horrible. You know, 
whatever the flight was and there was no like group PT. It's like, hey, fill this out and at the end of the week tell us what you did and then they played Ultimate Frisbee on, on Fridays. <laughs> you know? That is not good. It was just like <laughs> But I mean Frisbee's fly <laughs> makes sense. I get it. Yeah. Unidentified um, flying objects, right. right? And you know, you know, classes on air power just just wasn't doing it. So at the end of the first semester I told him like, Hey, I'm not interested in yeah in being a an Air Force, you know, an airman. Okay. And luckily, I had, didn't have a scholarship, so it wasn't an Air Force, you know, an R2 scholarship. Right, so right. That was, that was fine. On. So you would think that, you know, it was out of my system at that point. Um, well, me and a few friends got into paintball. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> friends but not, are wants to do. But not like the real, like, remember the gotcha guns? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we, you know, we got into gotcha guns, and at one point I'm like, you know, I could really get into this. It and always starts <laughs> with, with paintball, right? <laughs> yeah. So or with a gun. <laughs> with a gun. So I um, I'm like, hey, I found out about the Army Reserves. I didn't know there was a Marine Corps Reserves, but there's certainly an Army Reserves. So I'm like, hey, I could, I could join the Reserves, like shoot guns on the weekends. And like have a regular job during the week. Yeah. How great would that be? Um, and somebody else would pay for the ammo, which is the greatest part of all, right? I mean, it's like they pay me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> to do they this. They pay me to shoot this thing. So, the summer of my junior year in college, um, I I joined the army, and uh, I remember talking to the recruiter. Army recruiter, he's like, you know, you have to take the ASVAP and all that. And it's like, oh, you scored really well. You could be this. You could be that. And I'm like, I want to do, like, combat arms. And he's like, but you could be, you know, a combo or this. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, sir, I just want to shoot guns on the weekends. I think I literally <laughs> said that. He's like, do you have any units? <laughs> do you have any units to shoot guns? And uh, he's like, well, because the way the reserves are, are set up, it's based on units that are in your area. Mm -hmm. So there's, like, there's a medical unit. There was like a, I think it was a Black Hawk squadron, and then there was our, an artillery unit. And I'm like, artillery? That's that's a big guns, big guns, right? Yeah, there's really big guns. Yeah. <laughs> He's big like, bullets. yep, yeah. like sold. <laughs> I want to because you can do that. You know, you can sign up for your unit before or your MOS before going. So sign up for artillery. So they sent me off to Fort Sill. You know, in the summer of 1990 to Fort Sill. And the way it worked there is, you know, you do your basic training and then you go right into AIT. Um, so my whole summer was, you know, of course, in Oklahoma going through that. And as we were graduating, it was right around the time that, uh, you know, Saddam mm -hmm. made Kuwait. So all of a sudden now it's real for all of us. It's like, and some guys actually, you know, from that training joined units that were no, prepping no to go over to for Desert Shield. And so we're like, this is for real. And I'm like, I still got another year of college to finish. <laughs> I didn't I didn't plan for this. But at the same time, you know, still kind of excited. But um, so I joined an eight inch howitzer unit um, as a as a PFC, an E3, because he had college mm -hmm. um, as a senior at Duke. So if you can imagine, you know, from around that time, we were all kind of freaking out about. Sure. Going to Iraq and they're talking about thirty thousand dead and getting gassed and all that. Right. And so you know, me and other folks were kind of freaking out, but obviously we never went. Um, which is fine. I was able to finish college and and um 
and, you know, go on to my pie chart jobs. But so I did do the, you know, one week in a month, two weeks out of the summer, and I got to run through the woods of Fort Bragg and Fort Stewart, Georgia, and some other places, and, you know. And did you get to shoot guns on the weekends? I did get to shoot okay, guns. Okay, good. On nice. But mission accomplished. Right. But we also got to clean a lot of guns. Too. Yeah, that's how it goes. That's <laughs> the thing they don't put on the poster. You, know, you shoot like... it, you clean it. <laughs> Even guns that you don't shoot, right? Yeah, that's right. Ugh, um, the worst. And just because you know, you know, post Desert Storm, we started you know, um, um, shutting down units, you know, and so my unit ended up getting disbanded three or four years after after the end of Desert Storm. So I actually didn't finish out. Um, and because I didn't really do a good job of planning after college, um, I didn't go to grad school, but had several other jobs that I did. Um, and you may laugh at some of these, but... <laughs> some of them you've told me about. They're interesting. You should, yeah. you should so, let our listeners know. So I, you know, I... I wondered about you know being a teacher i also enjoyed writing so i was curious about journalism and so um i was a substitute teacher for a while nice trying to figure out what know, grade primarily high school uh, oh um, boy brutal but high school's not bad compared to middle school yes yeah, so true you know okay. so high school you know and i you can pick the subject matter that you want to you know cover down on so i picked history and biology and chemistry but then if you're decent you get picked for all kinds of stuff so the typing band all <laughs> kinds of stuff um so you haven't lost a kid in like a week <laughs> like, let's, let's use this guy and the thing about high school students generally they they're interested in learning right so they're not gonna cut up and you know and try and get out of class middle school on the other hand completely different you know they're running off the walls they're cruel to each other they're beating each other up i'm I'm stopping fights, you know, I'm just like, so I did that for a year um, and, and didn't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Concurrent to that, um, I was looking into journalism. So I, I volunteered um, for a couple of newspapers and worked part time at, an, at another one. One was African News Service, then a small sports newspaper, and then a small sort of what would now be considered sort of a leftist progressive newspaper um just to kind of get my chops on on that and then i did some freelance work for the chapel hill herald which was the so you're saying in north carolina in north carolina yeah Yeah, i was still in north carolina um all that to say none of that made money right um so finally i I had to get a job that actually that's weird writing didn't make you money I, I never heard that before. That <laughs> I'm hearing this a little late. Yeah, this, is, this is good stuff. This yeah. is news which, for yeah. all of us. Which yeah. if you're you know, a young 20-something person who likes to go out and eat and pay your rent, you kind of need money yeah. To, yeah, yeah, to, to have do a that. house. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Running water. Don't want to live with five of your favorite friends. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Sharing bathrooms and stuff. You need money for that. So I ended up um, getting a job as a operating room tech um at duke hospital now do i know anything about medicine outside of you know taking chemistry and physics <laughs> no um but it paid well um and essentially i worked in what was really a supplier room in an or helping them get equipment repaired they used in surgery um getting 
know, sutures and stuff, order form, like all masked up and everything. Um, and it paid pretty well. So it, it allowed me to do fun things like whitewater rafting, skiing. Paintball? Didn't do paintball. Oh, you were done with yeah, that. Was that, was with that. Yeah. Okay, that was a phase. Okay, that was a phase. And ultimate fris- frisbee is free, so yeah. you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to pay for yeah. that. <laughs> um, unless you lose a frisbee. <laughs> and my my girlfriend at the time, who's going to listen to this? My girlfriend at the Do- time. There's dozens of people now like, <laughs> yeah. Googling Michael Hosted's um, girlfriend. Uh, she was a uh, gymnast. So at night, um, I would go to the gym just to observe her, you know, work. Observe her, her, her body of work. <laughs> and right. it got to the point where the head coach there called me Gym Ornament. That was my nickname, <laughs> Gym Ornament. And so um, he's like, hey, you know, you're kind of a big guy. Um, maybe you can come and help us, you know, spot some of, we had cheerleaders, you know, tumbling for cheerleaders. You can help us spot cheerleaders. This sounds like a terrible, terrible like time in your life. Movie, <laughs> it does. Totally an 80s movie. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, oh, so if I do this, can I get like a free membership at the gym and like work out? It's like, cause it was a YMCA. It's like, sure. So he taught me how to spot, you know, tumbling cheerleaders which is kind of an art actually you know mm-hmm. sure you know back legs instead of like kidney throat you know it's just yeah. fun <laughs> um and so that was kind of a part-time job in addition to what i was doing um, um at duke hospital and the plus side if somebody got hurt while you were spotting you know then exactly. you could you could right. steer right. them right into the or right. yeah good That's to right. go i know i know people yeah yeah so, um, so I did that for a little bit, you know, ended up breaking up with, uh, with, you know, the girlfriend, but I kept the job there. She moved on. And, um, at one point, because I had been there the longest, I ended up being like assistant director of the gymnastics program. <laughs> no now, mind way. you, mind you, <laughs> I'm not a gymnast. <laughs> I started off like spotting Backhand you know, spring. Yeah, yeah. backhand springs, back tucks. <laughs> and then I started teaching progressives, you know, pre-team, you know, girls. Then I, there was a small boys team and then, like, the little kids. This um, is awesome. Three to five. And so um, – and then I started helping the team, like, the actual competitive team, level four through level level seven. And uh, and then my, my boss ended up getting fired. So they're like, um, would you be interested in being the <laughs> the director of gymnastics? <laughs> this is definitely so, an eighties movie. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just like Sure. Sure. Um at that point it it, it um I mean it, it paid fairly well, but I was just like so were you still working at the e- at, at, the, at the, ER? the operating room? Yeah, uh, and then um, also, so I'm 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 getting to you know the Marine Corps piece here in a second. No, please take your time. This is fascinating. <laughs> so <laughs> get our popcorn. Yeah. We are loving it. So at one point, I had like a you know call it a come to Jesus moment or what have you, but I'm like, what am I doing with my life? I'm working in a supply room delivering sutures to heart surgeons 
and I'm I'm teaching gymnastics to kids whose parents think I'm some you know <laughs> gymnast extraordinaire. You know, and literally, like I'm going to gymnastics conferences trying to learn the routines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For the girls and trying to teach them the routines. I wish there was some video I'm like, footage seriously? of this. Oh I'm like, what God. am I doing? Like, why and do we keep doing jazz hands? <laughs> like, I don't know. So, so my, I call my dad up. Um, who's he's still in Chicago? I'm like, hey, dad. Um, and at this point, I'm like 27, 28 years old. I'm like, I'm not really liking where I am. <laughs> In my life right now, he's like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I, you know, I'm working at the hospital. I'm not really enjoying that. I'm, I'm posing, <laughs> waiting know, to be found a, out, you know, as yeah. the, Bella Caroli. Yeah, I'm one <laughs> bad fall away from like a full-on investigation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not to mention like probably shutting down the YMCA forever. Um, it's like I just want to call you for advice. I mean, I rarely do this, but he's like do you ever consider being an officer in the military? I'm like, oh, I actually hadn't really. I'm like, am I, am I even young enough to do that? Because I'm, you know, 26, 27. I know there's an age cutoff. It's like, you should probably look into it. Because um, you've always been fascinated with the military. And granted, you had kind of a rough time, you know, enlisted because, yeah, y- you know, um, so I'm like, sure, okay, I'll I'll look into it. Now, truth be told, I went to the army first because I had already, I was technically right. still on my contract, right? Because um, I was in the IIR, and they're like, well, you can you can become an officer, but you'd have to be an artillery officer. I'm like, well, why the hell would I want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want some options. They're like, no options. It's like, oh, what you can do is. You can enlist. Of course. <laughs> like, this is where, yeah. No, this you is can enlist. The world, the aperture opens up. Try to get in as, you, you know, through OCS, and then maybe you have an option. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So, you know, I go to the OSO in Raleigh, and they're like, yeah, we can't guarantee you anything. I'm like, well, that's that was music to my ears. Um, it's like, can you still run? And I was a runner, you know through high school and, and college, so I could run 18s, you know, three-mile 18s, 18 three-miles, excuse me. Um, it was just kind of the age thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, yeah, let's let's put in a package and see what happens. So, put in a package. The OSO, um, Captain Mark Tingle, um, worked with me. And you've gone through the OCC process. It's, it's kind of an extended process to go mm-hmm. through. Um, went through it and then they came back and said my eyesight was not good enough to, to join the Marines. Really? Yes. So my package was declined because of my eyesight. And I'm like, I don't believe you. So I went out and got my own assessment. You know, I had a doctor look at my eyes and they said they were good. And they're like, no. So they sent me to a third eye doctor and they said my eyes were bad. So now I'm pissed, right? Because right. they're like, can't be a Marine Corps officer. And I think at this point I'm like 27, 28. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, screw you guys. I'm going back to teaching gymnastics. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show so them. I'll show you. 
And that's what I did. I went back, you know, and I'm like, hey, can you spot me some hours, blah, 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 you know. But I hadn't told him. I just told him I was looking for another job. I hadn't told him that I was looking at, you know, being a Marine Corps officer. So go back, and one day, um, Captain Tingle, just out of the blue, shows up at, oh, wait, let me back up. He calls me and said, hey, I can get you a waiver for your eyesight. And I'm like, screw you, man. Then you'll find something else. I'm not doing that again, you know. Such a rebel. Yeah. yeah. So hang up the phone. Let's have cell phones back then. And, uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Slamming it down. <laughs> so, and I'm not answering phone it's calls, lost right? Art, man. I'm it's like, a phone slam. It's so, feels so good to slam <laughs> a phone down bam, too. Bam, bam, bam. So he shows up at my workspace. He shows up at the gym and is, you know, recruiting you. And I'm there teaching the kids, you know, and I look up because probably like gyms are now, there's a viewing area that yep. keep the parents up. So you can see, you know, like, you know, who's coming. I'm like, what's Captain Tingle doing here? And he's all done up, you know, and um, in his blue mods. Comes down, sits in my office and uh, waits for me to finish the class. So I walk into the office. I'm like, sir, what are you doing here? He's like. I find it hard to believe that you don't want to be a Marine Corps officer. I mean, you were so excited about it, that and the other. Like, why don't you want to be an officer? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, sir, I'm really enjoying, like. <laughs> See me out there? You know? <laughs> I'm a fucking natural. You know? <laughs> Teaching these kids. I'm making them better. And we I'm both look out. to them. <laughs> we both look out the window. And, like, these kids are kind of bouncing off the walls. And we both just started laughing. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're you're right, sir. <laughs> this sucks. And what am I doing here? <laughs> so, you know, resubmit my package. Waiver galore, though. And, yeah. And I, I get it. So, um, so it's funny. You join the Marine Corps, probably any of their services, and you're like, hey, I want to join. I want to, like, travel the world. You know, go to Europe, go to Asia, what have you. Um, you know, went through went through um, OCS and basic training, or OCS in the basic school. And I actually had orders to go to Okinawa, actually. And um, my mother had gotten really sick, mm-hmm. and she was living in, she lived in Fayetteville, North Carolina. So I asked for a Humes transfer, and um, it sent me to Cherry Point. Okay. Right back to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, I felt like I actually never, never left. Yeah. Um, so, um, which is fine. You know, I could be close to family and right. kind of help out there. Absolutely. And I still had friends, you know, um, that lived in Durham and the surrounding areas. So it actually worked out fine. So um, Second Mall was my, my first duty station. Do you want to go through this? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Whatever you want to share. This is um, awesome. We want all this the This is dirt. great stuff. Yeah, this is radio gold. Um, <laughs> oh, actually, before I get into that, um, so I really wasn't sure about the public affairs thing, and it was public affairs back then. Because, you know, at TBS, you know, they have those days where, you know, representatives from mm-hmm. the MOS has come and talk to you about, you know, the benefits of the MOS. Or yeah, for what, sure. And part of me, even though I was – you know, knocking on the door of 30, still wanted to do, like, sort of the combat arms thing. And, you know, TBS is, like, that's, that's what they push, yeah. right? And um, 
but I knew I was getting older. So I'm like, maybe like tanks or just probably good that I yeah. go into tanks. Yeah. Or engineers. You'd have retired sooner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I do enjoy writing. I do enjoy like journalism in that aspect. So maybe public affairs is a good fit for that. And um, so when I talked to the public affairs officers that came, I mean, it sounded actually really boring. <laughs> you know, it was just like. That's awesome. I'm like, this is what you do? Um, it's just because you think you're going to be like Dan Rather and, and, you know, but really you just manage those guys. Yeah. You don't actually do the stuff. So I'm like, oh, so I don't really write. I don't report. It's like, no, you, you kind of oversee that. You run newspapers. I was like, that doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> hey, now. <You> know. <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, at TBS, you like your offense, defense, blah, 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 you know. Um, and so I saw the swashbuckling tanker, you know, with the crowd around him and the mustache and the cool hair. And I'm like, I want to be like that guy. Um, or the engineer, because I knew I wasn't going to do infantry. I'm just like, I'm not going to get my body broken up at, at 30, and then by 35, I'm trying to lead Marines with this busted-up body. So I and I actually told my SBC that, which I'm sure, like, lopped me off the top. Was he a right. grunt? He was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, well, that that's easy. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you just hear the paper shredder in the background. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I ended up, you know, it was, I think, my top choice ended up being public affairs, um, tanks, engineers. And I don't know what else was under that. And because of my background in journalism, they like, you're you're a perfect fit for, for PA. Which is kind of funny because my buddies were like, hey, what'd you get? I'm like, oh, I got public affairs. Like, oh, I'm oh, sorry, man. Oh, <laughs> That's too bad, I'm like, man. no, it was my top choice. They're like, really? It's <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> But obviously it worked out well. So ended up going to Cherry Point, um, second mall, the first duty station. Did that for a year. Um, while I was there for a year, I also got a chance to support Sixth Marine Regiment um, for a double CAC. So I got to go out to the desert for yeah, months, twenty nine palms you know, for in the two winter months. Oh, oh god, yeah, January time frame. Um, loved it so much um, when a Mew came up. And they were looking for, you know, young officers to take on a Mew. And we had a shortage of captains, so I was still a second lieutenant. Um, got assigned to the 22nd Mew. Raised my hand for that. Hey, what year was this? This was 99, 2000 time frame. Okay. Yeah, It's interesting because, you know, we talk on the show all the time about how sort of the, the evolution of Marine culture mm-hmm. – um, especially, you know, going in prior to the long war and then coming out of it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, for me, I was, uh, you know, I was a Clinton era enlistee. Um, and so the thing that like all of the meat eaters were going on the muse, like that was where your superstars went. So right. I'm surprised that they like were taking volunteers because it would seem like it, the list would have been like super long. Uh, it was an Amtracker, like it, it, like quite literally, there were fights. Yeah. To get on that Mew. Yeah, I I think for our community it was a little different. Okay. Um, I mean, trust me, we were kind of surprised that 
so my counterparts are all second lieutenants as well. Yeah. Um, captains billet, but captains were not at that time trying to go. So weird. It was weird. Yeah. Um, because in the muse can have the pick of the litter, right? <laughs> For sure. You know, they right? pick your top like, guys. But before, like to the the guys who were going to chasing the star, who they saw, you know, general. Those are the the commanders who were getting yeah. the muse, and yeah. then it switched in the long war. The regiment, the RCT commanders, were the ones. But yeah, I mean, it, the mu was where the all stars. That yep. was the all star team. Yeah, Marine Corps all star team. And if you weren't. Muse. The new commander could swap you out for <laughs> at a heartbeat. <laughs> you know, like don't like... don't pack don't pack <laughs> your stuff just yet. <laughs> There's yeah. still a discussion. Yeah. So, I mean, I had heard about the Mew, um, or the missions of the Mew, actually at Defense Information School because one of our captains had just left the Mew um, as the Mew PAO. I'm like, man. I'd love to be able to get an opportunity to deploy. And this is, you know, pre-9-11. So mm-hmm. um, 22nd Mew, East Coast Mew, Med Float, Med, essentially. Yeah. Right? So nice. um, well, this is kind of, you know, 2000. It's kind of on the heels of the coal. Um, yeah, that's right. You know, Bosnia, Kosovo was kind of winding down. Um, so it's kind of your peace enforcement, you know, Peacekeeping time yeah, frame East at that Timor point. was done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, maybe an occasion, the Muse were doing occasional. You know. Yeah, East Europe was still kind of hot, but yeah, like you said. Yeah. So, down. so it was kind of the probably one of the last sort of med cruises where you, you know, do train, you know, bilat training with the country, and then go to Malta and have Mibbo. fun. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, it was it was awesome. Um. You know, I guess two memorable, you know, deployments there with the Kosovo. I went with, you know, a company out of the BLT, and then some time we spent in Croatia. So that was the first tour. Back then, you could do two hops in a three-year time period. Mm-hmm. So came back, and 9-11 happened. And so my second tour was a OEF tour. Okay. Um, so I personally didn't go in Afghanistan, but, you know, we had – our Harry's at food, food missions yeah. there, but I spent a, the bulk of my time in Djibouti. Okay. You know, Horn of Africa. Before, um, I think it was called the demining facility. Okay. So before it was Camp Limonier. Just before JTF Hoa. Oh, yeah. yeah long before. before. I think yeah. maybe we opened the second view to be there. Okay. Um, so there's a little facility right across from the French base. And so we did a lot of, you know, live, uh, yeah, live fire training there. So did that. Um, was really excited about like doing the joint thing after after that time period. So um, came back, went to um, Joint Forces Command, now defunct Joint Forces Command. And while I was there, is when you know Iraq started. So here I am. It was me and another um, consulate officer, public affairs officer, assigned um, to the Joint Staff J Seven so Joint Training. When Iraq kicked off, and is this uh where is this in Tampa? This is in Norfolk. Oh, okay, Norfolk, Virginia. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. So um, we're sitting there, you know, two Marines, you know, on this joint command, and we're we're not involved, right? We're watching this on TV, and it's like, and me just like haven't gotten off of you, and like kind of missed it. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, what we're just sitting here like 
pushing papers. It's like, we, we want to be there. And so um, around, let's say, early 2004, we get a call from the Oakfield. I was like, hey, we're looking for volunteers to go on the next rotation uh, with TUMEF, TUMEF-4 to, to Iraq. And so it was, you know, you're in a joint command, so we really can't pull you. You have to get, you know, clearance mm-hmm. from your, your leadership. And so I look, my buddy Jeff Sammons, I'm like, look at where Jeff, and I'm like, so it's going to be me or you. Yeah, like a pugil stick fighting or whatever. Yeah, and he's like, like, my wife would kill me if I deploy again. I'm like, I'm not married, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I raised my hand, and so I went as an IA um, with two my forward. I was still assigned to JFCOM for six months. Um, but the thing I asked is, like, if I go, can you get me a slot at EWS when I get back? And they're like, yeah, we can do that. So went with two my forward. This was um, um, early 2005, late 2004, early 2005. So it was post um, Fallujah, Fallujah. Yeah. post yeah. El Fajr. But we we got there not too long after. I mean, it, yeah. So uh, there for the elections and some other stuff. And back then we still had. Um, was Ramadi Najaf. kicking off at that point? Is that already done also? Uh, I don't think it actually really started. Okay. Um, as hot as it was. So Najaf was still a thing. Karbala was still mm, a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff was still kicking off in Babel province. Um, so that was a lot. And, and still Fallujah was, I mean. Yeah, but still wasn't awesome. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, at that point we were thinking, you know, we'll be here a year and, and then we'll be gone. Um, yeah. Wishful thinking, right? Yeah. So left, left that summer. Um, and went to EWS, did that, and then, of course, Iraq is still going, so I requested to go to 2nd Marine Division. And so, kind of signed a 2nd Marine Division, and then went back out with RCT2. Okay. Um, then, um, Colonel Clarity. Yeah. So, uh, did a 13-month deployment with them. So you were out there with Colonel Clarity. Was that uh, you were out of Al Assad? I was out of Assad. Yep. Holy shit! Camp that River. was 07? It was 07. yeah. We got there December oh, 06. six. I was there. I I was the track platoon commander. Uh, so I got there in uh, September October of 07. Oh really? And it was an Abu Hayat. Oh really? Yeah. We took over the Abu Hayat uh, mission out there for well Charlie. I think it was one one. Uh, and then there was an Amtrak uh, company that we ripped out with that had been there for a couple months. But you guys weren't using your tracks, though, right? <laughs> I did. I <laughs> really? did get to use them. I, when I was talking to Colonel Clarity, he said, you know, you're the first Amtracker that actually had a legitimate reason for getting tracks. So huh. he let me get a section, so four vehicles. Um, but we uh, left the ramp with six. Which we weren't doing it illegal. You have to have yeah. redundancy, especially with track yeah, yeah, vehicles. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so Colonel Clarity comes out uh, to visit our, you know, our outpost out there. He goes, "Wait a minute! I thought I told you you need four. I was, you, you get four, right? I'm counting six. I was like, and I told him that. He's like, "Well, sir, you know, we have to have the redundancy because we don't have the parts block. It's right, 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 so right. Uh, six goes, to make four, right? Yeah, <laughs> six to make four. And he goes, 
no more. <laughs> like, Roger that. Well, there's back at LSL. There's like a huge border pool. There was, there. Was, there was like fifty. <laughs> I mean, there was an entire like almost a battalion's worth of Amtrak's back there. Yeah, but because because of that whole thing in Haditha where that one got basically oh, yeah, split yeah, in two yeah, yeah. by that massive the one five five IED that just so they weren't doing Amtrak's at all. Yeah. And then of course everybody who comes in, I want my Amtrak's. So my wife's like. No, man, yeah. you're, you're a fucking grunt. No, man, get used to it. That's but I wild. actually had a mission for it uh, to do perimeter security. We'd be given this mission to, like, go desert hunting. I was like, sir, I mean, there's no better platform than desert hunting right now. I mean, we're not – obviously, LAVs would be sweet, but we're right, not LAV right, guys, right? Right, 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 right. Oh, my Amtrak. <laughs> and so I actually had a pitch, and it worked. And so, yeah, That's I got a awesome. section. Yeah, it was pretty cool. But, I mean – we really did mostly infantry. Anyways, this is this is my interview. What the hell am I talking for? But yeah, but, so we were there at the same time. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty wild. So I came in, uh, and then you guys uh, ripped out what uh, January with uh, Colonel Malay at RCT five, right? Yeah. So yeah. the last one was left in February. Yeah. But that was a long deployment. Oh, for sure. Thirteen yeah. months. Yeah. So the the regiments. Pretty much I think too. Also, I got there as he was pretty warm <laughs> she's like just stop asking me and just go away but i mean in, in some ways it made sense right because i mean if you're rotating every six months like the battalions were mm -hmm. i mean there a whole new team was coming in yeah we did a we ended up going seven just because of the weird like overlap right and that was also during the surge too so mm -hmm. they yeah, right. sent a lot of folks early yeah. um to kind of do the build up yeah so did that and um I'll be honest with you, I was just kind of burnt out um, after that. So um, there was a buddy of mine who was at MARSOC who, at the time, you know, MARSOC was kind of going through its things. And they weren't, they definitely weren't going to deploy, you know, PA types. So he's like, hey, you want to you wanna switch? <laughs> <laughs> you just show up, I'll just leave. They won't even know. They'll they won't know, know the difference. So... It actually worked out, you know. Um, we pinged our bosses, and because um, I did not want to do another, you know, regimental deployment, or you know, at that point probably division minus or yeah. So we swapped out. Um, I took Marsoc, and he came over and took the division. And at that time, Marsoc was just, you know, I don't want to say wrapping up, but it was post the MSOC F. Um, issue in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. they were very gun-shy about any sort of engagements with media, um, promoting the, you know, yeah. your organization. So it was kind of a tough time. I'd say probably of all the places I've worked at was probably the, the hardest mm -hmm. because there was just no appetite um, for any sort of media engagement then. Um, so, but um, having said that, um, you know, we were able to um, get some of our Marines deployed with some of the teams um, forward in Afghanistan. Um, I was able to get a couple of embeds, um, one being Oliver North, which, oh, I mean, oh, Ollie nice. North yeah, is sure. he's kind of a friend of the Corps anyway yeah, yeah. Um, when it comes to that, but um, got him forward with one of the one of the teams, which was kind of a big deal um, at the time because no one was – and that, you know, you have to get in theater, like, <laughs> you know um, – Socks in approval to get all that stuff done. So um, then we had some minor ones in the Philippines and, and in South America. But uh, two years of fairly intense work, 
And believe it or not, um, because, well, at that time, because it was a new unit, they required three years to be at Marsoc. Okay. And um, they wanted to move me in two. And so I fought to try and stay there a third year, submit an AA form and all of that. And then they came back and they're like, no, man, you're, you're going to be homesteading if you stay. It's like, what are you talking about? It's like, you're at division and now you're right here. And I'm like, but I was deployed. For I mean, this, like, is like a, this is like yeah. a talent management <laughs> 2030 case study right here. You know, it's just like, let me just, I'm just asking for another year. And I'm like, nope, you got to go. I'm like, okay, where are you going to send me? Joint Forces Command. I was like, dude, I was just there. Why would you? So I ended up getting sent to the depot. Okay. City, um, which was at that point my first sort of non-operational. The PI? Uh, San Diego. Oh, San Diego. Okay. Yep. Um, which was great because it was like it was truly a vacation from Lejeune. You know. San oh yeah. Because I mean, that's your first West Coast tour at this yeah. point, then, yep. right? Yep. Um, full three-year tour there. Um, it was awesome. And it's San Diego, so you and know. And it is San Diego. I it mean, San Diego. People were smiling. You could PT year-round outside. You know, it was absolutely awesome. The one thing I think that's uh, and for all of West Coast listeners can. Definitely appreciate this. Not being an enlisted man, I only know, I can only imagine, and then also hearing the stories. But I don't know, Nancy, if you've ever been to MCRD San Diego. I have not. It's right next to the airport. Yeah. Oh, this I've heard. One of the big things for all the recruits is watching all the (laughs) aircraft land and take off. Like, I could be on one of those. (laughs) Yeah. In in fact, you know, quick story. while I was there, we had a recruit that tried to escape. Yeah, I've um, heard that that's a thing. It's not. A th- I mean, they see him, you see recruits walking down the I five. It's like that doesn't look right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but this kid, and mind you, there's there's a fence around the base. Um, there's razor wire on top mm-hmm. of the fence. Well, this kid runs from from his you know from his unit. And the DAs are not supposed to run after recruits. They just call the MPs. The MPs chase them down because, you know, can't have DIs running after right. recruits and leaving. And then whole platoons like. So this kid um, manages to get over the fence with the razor wire. Wow. Onto the tarmac. Determined. Of the airfield. So if you can imagine, now I didn't see this. This is just how it was described to me. This bloody, tattered, you know, bald-headed recruit hightailing against you know across the tarmac he apparently commandeered one of those vehicles that like the luggage the, the yes. luggage thing oh no way a low speed chase <laughs> this huh? is another 80s movie yeah. happening right now yeah. it's so, an action adventure one though so he's on this thing you know clearly probably going slower than someone who's running what is that like good three four miles an hour and so and then crashes it into uh, a parked plane at which point, man, security, whatever they've like, got surround them, guns drawn, sure, what have you. And it just so happened that the airport was having this media day. Oh, good <laughs> grief! <laughs> you know, so they think it's like a terrorist thing because all they see is this bloody, tattered guy on the on the, you know, yeah. luggage cart with folks with guns drawn on them. Which is when I get the call from the press. It's like, <laughs> right? Hey, this that the other? I'm like, no, no, this can't be true. Like, but it how, was many, true. how many recruits do you guys have? Uh, a few thousand, <laughs> minus one. Minus yeah. one. We found one. 
So I guess, you know, the kid sees the aircraft going off. He's determined to get on one of them and, 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 and go home. Yeah, I always wonder, like, what – as you were going through the mental gymnastics – what was the end game? Were you just like gonna grab on to the front, like whatever landing gear, and then like get pulled up into the thing, and then just show yeah. up wherever the plane yeah. and get I mean, out on the wing, like on that uh, Twilight Zone episode <laughs> with James the T. Gremlin. Kirk. Yes. Yeah. Who knows, right? I'm getting out. So, um, yeah. So that. Man, what Jason a day Bourne. to pick to make his great escape! Getting, getting on the, getting on the aircraft. So I did that, um, and then ended up actually going back to a joint command, uh, joint enabling capabilities command, which one of the few commands left over from you know Mattis destroying, I shouldn't say destroying, but you know disassembling, <laughs> you know JFCOM, and that unit was actually kind of unique. So they were sort of the crisis response joint public affairs team for for the um, for DOD. So JTF stood up for any sort of operation um, and they couldn't get a public affairs team stood up to support it. We would go in, get them up and running until the RFF process worked through that they can get their manpower to actually have a a, um, a right, you know, a, a right righteous, a, a proper PA team there. So it had to be deployable within, I think it was like a two-week period. Mm. Um, so if you were on the, the ready roster, you just had to have your gear packed to get called to support, <clears throat> you know, some sort of a contingency mission. So that was actually pretty a pretty interesting place to be assigned. Um, got a, you know, got a chance to fight Ebola, um, part of a JTF team that supported no way. the operations in um, – Everywhere. Granted, I was in Italy, so I didn't actually get to go ashore in Italy. Africa. That's rough duty. Um, but supporting U.S. Army Africa. Um, we also supported um, the um, Damayan in, in the Philippines. We supported uh, Third Map for that. And a few other things. And then after that, um, I got another call from, from headquarters saying, hey, we need somebody to go to TMF. And I'm like, realize that would be like my fifth tour <laughs> or excuse me my sixth tour at Lejeune and again I had you know I hadn't finished my full three years at, yeah. at the check but they're like hey we got nobody else so went back to Lejeune send in Armistead <laughs> and went to TMF and did that for about three years as the director for TMF um, and then after that tour is when I came up to the Pentagon so uh, just you know, did the did the um, FDR thing, force uh, development requirements for a year, and then we stood up uh, an ops section. So I was I led operations section for a year. And if you've been at the Pentagon, I mean, it's kind of easy to get burnt out there too. Yeah. And so um, an opportunity arose to go back to the depot um, as an XO at a weapons field training battalion. Okay. Nice. So outside of the Oak Field, you know, something completely different back than I had done before. Back to California. Nice. Um, as a geo bachelor, so mm. um, that was kind of the drawback. I thought my wife would be happy to go back to California, but nope. She was very, very happy to stay here in the DC area. So I did that 
for a year and some change, and then just for some other circumstances, ended up coming back, back to the D.C. area, which is where I finished up my yeah, career. Yeah. And now you're here. And here now we I'm are. Here. Well, it sounds like all of your experiences have prepared you well yeah. for strategic communications director <laughs> here at the MCA. <laughs> yeah, but we're not going to ask you to, de- to deploy, are we? Is that a thing? Uh, well, you already been to Okinawa once. No, I, I didn't think. go. Oh, you I, didn't go I, yet. Okay. I somehow yet. Yet. did the matrix on that one. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure <laughs> next year I'll be I'll be flying to Okinawa. Which uh, I would I would happily yeah, go. Yeah, okay, would be cool. Yeah, so this this position here, um so maybe there's a podcast. Actually there isn't. Um for my predecessor, but um my predecessor <laughs> Um, had several roles um, mm-hmm. who was here. So uh, Colonel Reinwald, you know, had strategic communications, had um, Leatherneck. Leatherneck. So she's your predecessor and mine as and well. Predecessor yeah. And had retail. So in right. some degrees, you know, um, the retail director. Right. So when she left, um, that, of course, some of those roles were broken out. And so um, I picked up the strategic communication role job which i guess is somewhat new as an individual position and um as i was going through the retirement process mary had reached out to my boss at the time colonel devine and i believe general tulin i don't know this for a fact but i believe he talked to um the scs over cd asking if there was a retiree in the in the contract community our charger getting ready to step out you know and so um I ended up getting a um, a message on LinkedIn from from Joe Schrody asking to come in for a cup of coffee. I'm like, that's that's how he gets you. That's that odd. Coffee. Why? Coffee. Why? Yeah. Um, why does he ask for a cup of coffee? Did you know him prior? Did you guys know each other? So before? he may not remember, um, but yes. So when I was at MEF as a director, he was at Second MLG. Okay. And I actually wrote a speech for him. Oh, no kidding. Um, for the Marine South. So the way we were set up at MEF at the time, we had a consolidated office. So all the Comstrat and Public Affairs Marines fell under me. So MLG, Division, Wing, um, were all my Marines. So I had like a shop of about 100 folks. And then we supported all the MSCs from the MEF. So you know, I write speeches for you know, MLG, division, work with all their chiefs of staff, um, which is how I ended up, you know, supporting supporting him while I was there. How funny. But I didn't, didn't know we could get you to write speeches for us. I'm, uh, I'm, writing, I'm making a note of that. Yeah, so. yeah, so he didn't quite remember that, but um, I knew him from back then when he was, I think he was a one-star and maybe just prior to picking up, you know, okay. the second star. So, yeah, asked me to come in for coffee. Um, I took it as a as a uh, oh an interview. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you don't often get emails from three stars. Yeah, yeah. Asking to come for coffee. coffee. Yeah. Um, and so um, came in and they kind of you know pitched the position that they were trying something different um, with strategic communications and with my background and the fact that you know I was a marine. Mm-hmm. Um, that I would I'd be a good fit, right. so so that's that's kind of how I yeah you know, came aboard. That's awesome. 
And so looking ahead, what's what you've been here a couple months looking ahead three to four months three to four months so what what are your what if you can reveal without uh you know disclosing any secrets what's your plan for communications yeah so you know one of the first things i asked um and i kind of mentioned this earlier when i came aboard was do we have a campaign plan or a strategic plan and we do you yeah, know, so that's MC that's a does. good first yeah. start, right. good right. first step. Yeah, in twenty twenty five. So you know my my goal, and I'm you know still working on it, is to create a communication plan, a strategic communication plan that will help MCA achieve the objectives that were outlined in the strategic plan. Now, granted, it was written you know twenty twenty one. I think is when it was you know published. Um, so we're probably getting towards the tail end of that, but looking at those objectives and looking at the end state that MCA wants to to achieve, mm-hmm. my plan um, are to come up with things communication-wise that'll help support that, right? So looking at the lines of effort that have been laid out, what can I do? What can MCA do from a communication standpoint um, to help MCA achieve that, right? Um, Right now, you know, looking at that and taking on what we're currently doing between foundation, membership, you know, both the magazines. Uh, especially Leatherneck, right? Especially Leatherneck. <laughs> but especially because no, um, that. Oh, okay. Especially um, okay, sure. <laughs> you know, what are some of those things that we can do and things that we can do and haven't done um, to help achieve that? And so, you know, looking at it from a communication synchronization point of view, you know, we are all communicating in some form or fashion, mm-hmm. whether it's through those, through events, through engagements. Um, what can we do to synchronize those? Um, because in some ways we are kind of, lack of a better word, stovepiped. Mm, yeah. um, each moving in the same direction, but how can we synchronize that so that we aren't firing each other's targets? Or right. how can we optimize that? Right, or get some overlap, yeah. Or so know. that Vic and Nancy aren't duking it out over which magazine is better. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah, so we're going to plan that <laughs> that can help achieve that um, and then synchronize those efforts across, across the yeah. different departments. Um, I will say that um, coming up, the construct community, public affairs community, had a very unique relationship with Leatherneck. Um, and, you know, over the years, you know, for whatever yeah, I reason, heard it. I heard it. you know, whether <laughs> it's, you know, changes here, changes in how people receive information, you know, people go into social media not picking up a magazine anymore, yep. MC just not, you know, carrying them. And we could probably say the same about, you know, Gazette as well. Um, Leatherneck was just not on the forefront of, of the minds of Marines, current Marines, mm-hmm, active mm-hmm. duty Marines. And certainly the relationship between us and, and Leatherneck isn't the same um, as it was, you know, circa 2014, right. 2015. Sure. Right. No, I can, and I can say that from having been with Leatherneck during that so, time. So kind of a, a personal thing for me um, is to, like, try and bring that back to its former sort of relevance within within the Ock field. Sure. Um, join forces. Yeah. We're going to join forces and, uh, and, it, and it kind of came, word out. you know, I, after being here about a month, I went out to Mickrick, um, just to chat with some folks. And when I told them that I was here, they're like, 
didn't realize that Leatherneck was still around. That hurts me. No, there's there's, there's a lot of, I mean, there is a lot of that. And I think that getting into this sort of digital, into these digital spaces and not just sort of like, um, I don't know, it's just good that rather than just trying to reinforce a model that is clearly dated for previous generation or or tailored for previous generations is finding that thing that resonates with not just the current generation, but the emerging generation. Um, Because, you know, completely unbiased, but I mean, the the stuff that we're offering, I think, is not only helpful, but in many ways important. Oh, yeah, I agree. For Marines on the day to day, but then as from from a Marine Corps cultural standpoint, like as one of our missions, we know is like, in, to reinforce esprit de corps, and I mean, I I can't imagine a more useful venue than through the association yeah. to do that. And I've also realized too that some folks know what products we provide, what support we provide, but don't necessarily know it's coming from MCA, mm. right? So I get this student library; they don't realize it's coming from. MCA. Right, right. I'm receiving these awards at right, you know, the awards. Yeah, go to this say. big Graduation. dinner and get recognized. They don't realize but, yeah. It's from MCA. Or that the Marine Corps Association is not the Marine Corps. Right? Because you're like, oh, I got this Marine Corps thing. Right. No, 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 that's the Marine Corps Association thing. So I think part of my role yeah. is to, you know, inform, you know, Marines and, you know, that MCA provides these things. Yeah. This is what we do for you, for the Marine Corps. Right. Um, because I don't think they always understand that. Or that even the Marine Shop is related to mm-hmm. the MCA. Yeah, that's right. That's you true. Um, I was with Woody at a at a TBS presentation where you kind of talked about, you know, professional development and some of those things that that the association provides for you, which you may not need now, but certainly later on in your career as you go into your units, these are some of the things that we do. And he asked, you know, the crowd, how many of you are members of MCA? And, you know, about five or ten, raise your hands. Like, how many of you bought uniforms from the Marine Shop? You know, 30 to 40 folks raise their hands. It's like, well, you may not realize it, but you're members of MCA as well. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the team. <laughs> you know, but, I mean, that's an issue, right? Yeah. That they don't realize that they're already members of an association. That's, I mean, that's, that's a communication problem. Yeah, um, yeah. Challenge. Challenge. It's a challenge. challenge. It's an opportunity for growth. Yes. So... So that's kind of what I see my role as doing, um, and if it if it can be um, if a measure of effectiveness is like more members, you know, more attendance at events, um, more people reading our publications, um, then I you know I think I've yeah yeah I think just yeah participation in mm-hmm. like our catalog really because right. there's so many things on there that I don't know if you could even like measure tangibly but it's like what are we doing again going to that cultural thing like do are people embracing the marine their marineness yeah whether it's in uniform outside i, 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 I yeah, like that that's good though. that's right. good I, embracing <laughs> your marineness um but yeah i like it and you know i mean we often push early just try to push that it's important to be a member of an association. And the Marine Corps Association is your association. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are other associations that are out there, but this one is your. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good point. It's, it's a good point. You should be a part of it. It's 
like any other professional organization, if you're going to be, and we've heard folks talk about this before, you go into the medical profession, you go into, you know, the legal profession. Journalists. Then, yeah, yeah they have their own associations. Yeah. This is this is your professional association. And, and if we're pushing, you know, a campaign of learning, education, self-education, I mean, this is where you get that, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And take you advantage know? of those opportunities. Yeah. And it's, in many cases, free to you, right? Yeah. For active duty, it's free active to you. Active duty, yeah. You hear um, that, guys? Uh, dozens of you out there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if you're wearing the uniform, man, this is free. Yeah. I mean, you can get free books. Where else can you get free books? Yeah. For, um, your, for your organization, yeah. you know. So. so. Well, Michael, this has been so great. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of fun. Your story is. It, 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 I think it's a mashup of a few '80s <laughs> action adventure, some rom com, a music video, music video for sure. Uh, and a travel, a montage, a, a travel documentary, right? Yeah, because you've been in a lot of different places, yeah. for sure. Um, but I guess, well, I'll let you close with the our our signature. Oh, the signature question. Oh wow. Okay. Okay, Michael, what was your best day in the Marine Corps? My best day in the Marine Corps, and I knew something like this was coming, so I should have an answer. But um, I think the best, my best day in the Marine Corps was probably. Um, the day I got promoted to lieutenant colonel. And I say that because um, my father came up oh. for it. Um, this is this nice. was in Norfolk. And at that promotion, like, and I don't think he really realized this, but I told the story about how he kind of sent me down this path. And I actually, <laughs> I had the copy of um, Goodbye Darkness that I had taken from his library. Oh, no way. Um, by Will in Manchester oh, saying, because wow. there's a chapter in there called The Raggedy Ass Marines. I'm like, because you let me have this book? He's like, oh, you know, you got my book. He's yeah, like, that's you. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what it's been. Um, reading this and you just having this around the house and on your shelf, you know, helped lead me to me being here today. And, uh, wow. So that's awesome. Nice touch. That is. Wow. Well, on that note, because it's definitely not getting any better from this end. Um, but yeah, Michael, Speaking thank you. Speaking of so raggedy ass Marine. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sorry. Like, you got to edit that out. No, no, that's. I would if it weren't absolutely true. 100%. Um, but yeah, thank you again so much for coming on uh, and welcome aboard. This has well, been a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to uh, working with you on this. And, and I'm looking forward to working with the team. It's a great team here, and um, yeah. Welcome. We're glad to have Thanks. you. It's a it's a it's a good team. We're all yeah enjoying it. That was some fun. Yeah. All right, everyone. All right. Thank you. The Marine Corps requires leaders of all ranks to have a deep understanding of war and the employment of force. MCDP one reminds Marines that the military profession is a thinking profession. Every Marine is expected to be a student of the art and science of war. It goes on to say that every Marine has an individual responsibility to study the profession of arms. Self-directed study in the art and science of war is at least equal in importance to maintaining physical condition and should receive at least equal time. The Marine Corps Association understands the critical importance of ensuring that Marines are as mentally ready for combat as they are physically ready. That is why we offer an entire page dedicated to wargaming on our website. We have recommendations for both tabletop board games as well as computer games. 
And for Marine Corps Association members, there is a discount code for Wargame Design Studios that you can find on the website. Wargames are a great way to immerse yourself in history and to put yourself in the shoes of the great leaders of history. Go beyond guided instruction and experience the thrill of wargaming. Check us out at mca-marines.org forward slash decision dash making dash exercises forward slash wargaming dash two. That's mca-marines.org forward slash decision dash making dash exercises forward slash wargaming dash two. Take your training to the next level. Scuttlebutt is a production of the Marine Corps Association. I am William Truding, but you've also heard the voices or contributions of Vic Rubel, USMC Retired, Nancy Lichman, or Ty Frazier. The opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect the official stance of the Marine Corps, DOD, or Marine Corps Association.